Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend Isabel Wheeler. Welcome to the podcast, Isabel. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Um, Isabel is a um, faithful Latter-day Saint, a return missionary who identifies as non-binary. And um, we're trying to do as many podcasts as we can with transgender, non-binary Latter-day Saints so we can understand their stories. Um Isabel is non-binary, takes um, they, them, gender-neutral pronouns. So I will try to do that as much as possible in this podcast. I hope to be perfect, but I may not, and slip into she, her. No worries. (laughs) And you're very gracious. Um, I met Isabel when I spoke at the um, UVU Institute um, Allies and LGBT workshop that's being held in Orem, Utah, as part of the UVU Institute, and met many of our queer Latter-day Saints there and got the chance to meet Isabel. And I'm so honored to have um, their story on the podcast. And um, when we know better, we do better. Now, some more background. Um, in the Desert News, we're recording this on on June 7th. There's an article that we'll link to in the show notes at the Desert News, Church on Desert News, that says one in 20 young adults that's 19 through 29, and Isabel's in the middle of that age range, identify as transgender non-binary. So this is a pretty good big group of um, people that identify as Isabel identifies. And the article goes on to point out um, the importance of hearing people's stories and that they felt this way for a long time. This generally isn't a cultural fad or a short-term thing. This is something that someone's felt for quite a bit of time. And we'll hear how Isabel feels about those feelings. Um, Isabel, tell our listeners where you served a mission. Um, I had the opportunity of serving in the exotic land of Southern Florida. I got to speak Spanish. Um, One of the uh, most challenging times of my life, but also most rewarding. Very grateful for the uh, experiences I had there. And um, were you English speaking or Spanish speaking? Uh, Spanish. And just so our listeners know, how did you identify on your mission? Um, So I, well, I I served as um, a sister missionary, Um, was really closeted, only came out to my uh, mission president and a few companions, but um, publicly presented as female. Okay. That helps our listeners just know kind of where where you've been and where you are now and how you navigated serving a mission as a non-binary Latter-day Saint. I think we'll talk more about that. Um, um, also, back to the LGBTQ and Allies workshop at UVU, that's Utah Valley University Institute. Um, Isabel will be part of a panel on June 15th. This podcast will be released before June 15th. If you're listening after June 15th, um, that's okay. You won't be able to come. But if you want to come and hear Isabel and other um, transgender and non-binary Latter-day Saints. There's a panel of three or four, and you're going to be on that panel. Yep. And um, that's open. It's not live streamed or zoomed, um, but we'll link in the show notes to the address in Orem, Utah. It's open to everybody, and it's just a chance for you to hear the experiences of transgender, non-binary Latter-day Saints. And I'm grateful for the UVU Institute that's doing that. Um, do you want to say anything about that workshop? Um. I guess I just want to repeat it. Unfortunately, it's not Zoomed or live streamed. Um, Hopefully, maybe that'll change in the future. But um, I got a lot of questions about that. But um, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Good. 
I'm glad that that's happening. So um, I may have mentioned this, but I can't remember. Tell, tell our listeners um, a little bit about what you're studying at UVU I'm, and what you potentially would like to do with that degree. Yeah, um, so I am a psychology major at UVU. Um, I don't know exactly what I'd like to do with that yet, but I'm toying with the idea of going into research. Um, that involves getting a doctorate degree, so we'll see if we get that far. But um, uh, especially on my mission um, and in Florida, just seeing so many diverse kinds of people, I became really interested in faith development and how people form their different beliefs. Um, so I love to do research in that area, but that may change. It's really cool. I think the UVU has a terrific psychology department from what I know. and Yeah, it does. And so it's really cool you're there and thanks to all involved in that department. And I'm drawn to psychology and some of these degrees that help us understand um, how to bring us together as the same human family and sort of research-based perspective. Um, to me, it's part of the doctrine of Christ to understand things that can bring us together as the same human family. But with that, I think both of us would just invite you to act on the spiritual pressions you feel. If you're a non-binary, transgender, closeted, not closeted, I think our joint prayer, and we prayed before this podcast, that something that Isabel shares with you will be helpful for you. And you won't feel alone. You'll feel more hope. Um, if you have suicidal ideation, maybe that will be improved when you hear a story of another person that's been walking this road and bravely sharing their story. If you're a parent or a local leader of a transgender and non-binary member of your ward, our joint prayers, the things that Isabel share will help you help them. And um, just all of us to be able to hear stories helps us to understand and see people as the same human family. So anything I said you want to correct so far? Are we okay? No, I think you're good. Okay. So I will just turn it over to Isabel to share their story. All right. Yeah. Thank you again so much for doing this. Um, so like you said, uh, I believe you mentioned I'm from California. Um, I, my story is a little bit in, unique in that I didn't really grow up with gender dysphoria. Um, or at least it wasn't really something that was on my mind uh, very much. I can think of maybe a few instances throughout my youth, but nothing that um, really jumps out. And to be honest, it, it just wasn't something I really gave much thought to. Um, I was raised in the church. Um, I've always been a very spiritual person and just very committed uh, to the church. Um, and I think um, I was definitely influenced by some of the, uh, maybe the negative side of church culture when it uh, came to LGBTQ issues. Um, I had a very negative attitude um, in that regard, um, was made very uncomfortable with the idea of gay people, um, and I guess by extension, uh, transgender people. Um, even to the point where a close, when I found out a close family member of mine um, was, was gay, um, I I didn't react very positively to that, which um, I of course feel bad about now. But it was, it was just the mindset that I that I had back then. Um, a couple things maybe that I'd like to point out, um, maybe from a young age. Uh, I was bothered by a few things, maybe uh, like women in the priesthood, um, 
the family proclamation and how it, um, uh, it explains like parental roles. Um, those, those were things that were kind of unsettling to me, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that I really devoted a lot of, uh, time and energy to. Um, it just kind of was just bothering me in the back of my mind, but I just didn't really give it much thought, um, until I was in college. Um, my family actually moved from California to Idaho near, near Rexburg. It was, um, quite a, quite a journey at the time. Um, they, they weren't really expecting it. They just got the prompting to move. And I think I was a little nervous about being able to leave the nest because I had planned on attending BYUI. Um, and they were going to be living right there close by. Um, but it turned out to be okay. And it was, it was nice to have them close by. Um, but anyway, as I was, uh, just, uh, a freshman at Brigham Young University, Idaho, I, um, was exposed to the dating culture there, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. Um, you know, there, there, there's that big pressure to, you know, get married. Right. And there's this kind of attitude that I, that I got from people. Um, you know, when I told them that I was planning on serving a mission, had, you know, kind of always planned on serving a mission was something I was really passionate about. And they just kind of said like, Oh, well, you know, like, since you're a girl, like if, like, you never really know, like you might get married. And I was like, no, I think I kind of know I'm going on a mission. It's like, well, but I mean, like you're a girl and well, if you don't get married, you know, before you're 19, like, yeah, you can serve a mission. And you know, that, um, that bothered me a bit. Um, but more, more than that, um, just other, other things about, um, about culture, were just starting to really rub me the wrong way, I guess. Um, I was just, you know, out of high school trying to, you know, find my place in a young adult world and interacting, you know, with my peers, my male and female peers. And something just felt kind of off. Um, and I, you know, kind of recalled, you know, things like women in the priesthood in the church and then, you know, family proclamation. And those things just started to really bother me a lot more. And I couldn't really, I couldn't really describe it, but it was just hard. Um, it did, it didn't sit well with me and, and just how I felt about myself and how I, how I viewed myself. Um, another thing that was going on during that time is, um, I had a really good friend, uh, in high school, um, who, who was a guy, um, and we, we, we had liked each other, but hadn't really talked about it. And, uh, when we were, uh, both in college, I brought it up as like, Hey, I know we, 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 we like each other. I just wanted to get that out in the open. And I was very adamant, um, on not being in like a committed uh, relationship because I was going on a mission. He, he was also going to go on a mission. And my mindset was I cannot be in a steady relationship before, before I serve a mission. Um, that, that, that was just my, um, 
just my mindset at the time. Um, but, you know, dis- despite that, uh, we, uh, this, this boy and I, we, we grew closer together in a, in a very romantic sense. Our relationship grew. And while, you know, it was, you know, it was exciting because I really liked him. The dynamic just felt really weird. Um, and again, I didn't, I didn't really know how to describe it, but I just felt uncomfortable in this like quote unquote girlfriend role. And it just didn't, it just, it just didn't sit well with like, again, like who, who I, how I felt about myself. Um, and as this was, as this was going on, um, I opened up to my parents. Um, I have always had a very close relationship with my parents. Um, very, very open. Um, they do great at, um, unconditional love and I am grateful for that. Um, and so I, I, I went to them and I, you know, talked to them about, you know, these thoughts and feelings I was having, um, and the struggle I was having, um, just about the church and this, this faith crisis. And it was very messy. Um, cause it was just at the beginning stages of, you know, like coming, coming out to myself. Um, and I didn't know how to, how to put words to how, how I was really feeling. Um, so it was distressing and, and confusing to them. Um, also an important, my story wouldn't be uh, complete without explaining that I have anxiety. Um, I, I've clinical anxiety have had since I've uh, been a kid. And so because I was, you know, presented with this, um, I guess just this paradox, this, um, this, this conflict I, I felt with my faith, um, it really triggered my anxiety. And so I would just ruminate about it and just try to figure it out. Like, what, what does this mean? Why, why do I feel so uncomfortable with the, with the idea of this, you know, like female role in the church and the gospel? I, I really don't get it. And, um, it eventually led me to a place of, uh, depression, um, which I hadn't experienced before, um, in my life up until that point. Um, but I began to be really depressed all the while still preparing to, um, to serve a mission. Um, eventually I got my mission call to Florida. Um, and I went through the temple to be endowed. And unfortunately, that was a very, is a very hard experience. Um, in, in the temple, things are, are pretty gendered. And I just felt like I didn't fit. And that experience of, of, of just being in there, um, and not feeling, you know, like a, a joyful, up, uplifting feeling scared me because, um, you know, it's the temple. Um, 
it's the house of the Lord. This is, you know, where I'm supposed to feel close to God. And, and instead I felt, I felt anguish and, and turmoil and, you know, started to really think like, what's, what's, what's wrong with me? Um, why, why, why is how, why are my feelings about myself in, in this great conflict with, you know, the temple and with the family proclamation, what, it, just what I've been taught at church. So that was, that was very hard. Thank you so far for just being so honest, Isabel, with how you feel. Um, I sense, you know, just doing your very best, just dealing with um, being uncomfortable and trying to push forward. It sounds like you have a fundamental testimony of the church and are pushing forward to serving a mission out of good reasons because you want to help people. And yeah. at the same time, holding and talking about just where you don't fit in and some of these things just, you know, cause just, you know, so I don't know, you know, I think you've done a really good job of explaining. I think other people feel at times the same way you do. And it's probably good that um, people feel they're not alone. Some may, you know, so you do, some may hear part of the story and say, well, I'm assuming she didn't serve a mission and she left the church. Well, it's really just the opposite. <laughs> and I just use your pronouns, she, her, so I'm trying to use they, them. But um, so you're going to talk about, you know, kind of pushing through these experiences um, and your decision to serve a mission. And that may not, that may still have at times been very difficult. So, um, but I sense in you were holding both things, these things that are difficult for you and fundamental belief in, in our restored doctrine and putting words in your mouth and desire to bring hope and healing to the people of Florida now. Yeah. Um, no, that, that is definitely accurate. Um, I had wanted to serve a mission, you know, since I was like really little. Um, and I, I guess I've, I've just had this, I've always had this very strong commitment to, to the gospel and to the church and had never really struggled with, with it before, you know? Um, and I, and I had, I had a testimony, um, and just felt a very, very strong urge to go. And, and, and I think I, I'd like to, I'd like to point out, um, um, health comes first. Um, and you know, if, if people maybe in a similar situation are not sure whether or not, uh, they, they're going to serve a mission, um, I would point out that health comes first. And, um, if, you know, going, if, if going on a mission is not something that you end up doing, that is okay. Um, so I just, I just wanted to point that out. Um, but for me, it, it was, it was something that, um, I, I've wanted to do and, and felt like I, you know, felt, felt called to do. Um, that being said, by the time I left, I was just in this state of like despair. <laughs> um, because I, I had loved the gospel my whole life, but now these feelings of just, you know, like, well, I, I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm just this, um, I'm like, I'm strictly female and that doesn't vibe well in the church. Like, um, be, because of that, I, I just didn't know how to reconcile that conflict. And so, um, I just felt a lot of 
a lot of darkness and, and fear and despair um, going into it. But I I went to it into it anyway with uh, just really nothing but hope that somehow <laughs> um, thing, things would be okay. Um, this was still something I, I, I thought about a lot in the MTC and, and in the field. It was, it was always on, on my mind, my, just my, my gender identity. Um, and I think it's been, it's been interesting hearing other queer stories. Um, uh, every, everyone only heard mostly, um, like from other, from gay men, um, where it's kind of like they, they, they're able to put their sexuality out of their mind, um, during, during their mission, um, which I think could serve a great purpose and really help you focus. Um, but that was not the case for me. Um, this was something that I was just wrestling with all the time. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it really, it really was. I was, I was able to kind of put it aside to an extent. Um, it was kind of like being in survival mode, just, you know, because on a mission, so much is thrown at you. You're so, you're so, so busy. Um, and so, you know, I, I did my best, you know, to learn how to teach lessons, to learn how to serve the members and, um, learn how to improve my Spanish. Um, I'm half Mexican, by the way. Um, I know I don't look it, but, uh, I had, uh, been speaking a lot of Spanish uh, before, before even going out. But anyway, um, the mission, while, while it did keep me very, very busy, um, my struggle with my gender identity was still, was still on my mind a lot. Um, I did come out to my mission president, um, during my first transfer, he was the only person aside from my parents that I came out to. Um, his response was very respectful, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and his, his advice was mostly this, um, I guess it's like a, well, you know, continue to serve the Lord and this will be resolved. He, he never said the words like this will go away as, as you serve, but that was kind of, I guess the vibe I got. Um, but I tried to, you know, muster as much faith as I could and keep serving. Um, but things finally came to a head. Um, my first general conference, uh, at the end of my first transfer, um, many transgender people um, are probably f familiar with this general conference. is October of 2018, um, and President Oaks gave a talk um, titled "Truth and the Plan," and in it, he he talked about gender, um, you know, and talked about the eternal nature of gender and. Um, just said some things that were very, very hard for me to hear, you know, about like, um, you know, Satan seeking to, you know, confuse gender. And, you know, up until this point, you know, I'd been kind of, you know, just wrestling with the Lord and saying like, is, is there a way I can, I can reconcile this? Or like, is there a way 
I, I feel that I'm, you know, not like purely female nor purely male. I wish I could describe more of what that's like, but it's, it's really difficult. Um, but is, is there a way that like that can, that can be true for me and I can still, you know, you know, be a member of the church and, um, you know, love, love the gospel. Um, but when, when, when he gave that talk, um, it felt like a knife was being plunged into my gut. Um, it was, it was actually a very traumatic experience for me. I can still remember just sitting there in the, in the chapel, you know, with my companion, just watching the screen and just feeling this sense of sense of dread and you know was just really I I felt like my eternal life was over in a way um which maybe sounds a bit dramatic but um that's that's how I felt um I felt that you know you know, I, I, I guess, you know, God's just trying to tell me here that, you know, like I, I am a woman and that just doesn't sit right with me. It, do, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And, but I guess I'm just broken, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I, I lasted a couple days, um, dealing with that until P-Day rolled around and finally just kind of broke down to my companion. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm depressed. <laughs> and she got, she got me hooked up with, um, my mission president's wife, um, to try to, uh, get me some, uh, counseling and, and, and also see if I, if I would benefit from like some, some medication. Um, something interesting about that experience, um, something that my mission president's wife said, um, never repeated, was, was never told to me again throughout my mission, but is something that I really clung to is, you know, after I explained to her, you know, what was going on, you know, why, why it was that, you know, I was, I was so depressed. Um, she explained, you know, first of all, you're not the only one of our missionaries that has talked about this. Or, or, or that it, that has come to us um, explaining, you know, like expressing hurt from this talk. And she also said, I believe Heavenly Father is not done revealing what there is to know about gender. And that is something that I clung to um, for the rest of my mission and, and, and still um, believe, believe to this day. Um, yeah. It takes courage to be that open and vulnerable, um, with how a general talk affected you and, and being honest with that. And, um, listeners of my earlier self gut reaction, like five, 10 years ago would be to defend the conference speaker, to defend our doctrine and now I've learned I can support and sustain our leaders and our doctrine and sit with Isabel and honor your pain and validate how you feel. And it's not an either or. 
And to me, it's a principle of ministry, even though I don't understand everything you felt, not to make you prove your pain to me, like saying, well, aren't you just taking us a little too literal or serious or overthinking this? Or is there really something else going on here? And you're using this as a something else. And to me, all those sort of just invalidate your pain and to me potentially drive any wedge between you and the church deeper if I dismiss your experience. But I've learned that if I just validate how you feel, it doesn't mean as a committed Latter-day Saint, I'm selling out our church or doctrine or leaders. I'm just sitting with you and honoring how you feel. And I can do both. And um, I think that's just a principle of ministering and um, so I'm glad you were honest with the difficult church experience. And um, just remember that here you are giving 18 months of your life to help people come into Christ. And all this is born out of love um, and sacrifice to help others. And in the middle of that, you're, you're working through your gender identity. You're bravely coming out to your mission present, which takes so much courage because you have no idea how that mm-hmm. conversation is going to go. You're talking to your companions. You've talked to your parents and then in a space that should be sort of the most healing and hope filled is you're kind of coming back to have your cup filled, which often what happens at general conference for missionaries, mm-hmm. yep. you have a difficult experience. And so I'm just glad you're open with that. And, um, and you know, that's just the way listeners, I process this space when someone tells me an experience like that. And I, even if I didn't feel that way, um, I kind of see things through the lens of my queer friends um, now. And so I might be a little more in tune with the talk that might be difficult for people I really care about that are trying to fully participate in the church and find their place and just recognize we have more work to do. So that that was a really honest segment. <clears throat> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you for expressing that. And I, in turn, just wanted to say at the time then and also now, I've, I felt and feel this equal, I guess, you know, fear of I don't want to sell out any of the general authorities or, you know, the or doctrine per se. Um you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, that talk hurt me so much, um, just caused even more pain because I was like, this is, this is, this is not how I'm supposed to feel. Right. Is, you know, what I, what I told myself, you know, um, why am, this isn't something that I should be having a problem with, you know, right. If, if, if I, you know, really believe, um, really believe in the gospel and um the even now it's like the last thing i want to do is to be in a space where i'm at odds um with a general authority that's not a space i want to be in at all um because i believe in the church um but that's the situation I found myself in and still find myself in. And it's a hard space to navigate. Um, but I do it the best I can. Um, because 
just of my own experiences that I've had with Heavenly Father as I've tried to navigate this space. Um, and I think I, I, I understand that, you know, people, people have, you know, their different opinions, you know, about like what, what, you know, why transgender people exist. Um, but I, I hope that's, you know, part of the benefit from doing this podcast is to ho hopefully help people understand this isn't coming out of a place of rebellion. Um, it's coming from just a, a place of honesty. So, yeah, I, ju I, ju I just wanted to point that out. Done a good job of that. And I just I hope listeners can feel there's just a sincere desire to be honest with your gender identity and also to fully participate in the church and see the church grow yeah. and have other people come to the church. And in some ways it's hard to, to be in your space, you know, and, um, cause you don't want to give either up. Mm -hmm. And some people would say, well, you've got to give up one or the other, but I sense you're pretty committed to both and it's your lived yeah. reality is, you know, you want to participate in the church and you're honest with how you feel. You can't just press a button to feel differently about nope. either. <laughs> um, one of my favorite comments to read, and then I want to make sure to send it back to Isabel. This is from my book, Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And chapter eight is about transgender Latter-day Saints. It's the only chapter I wrote about just one letter of all the LGBTQ, because sometimes non-binary and trans get sort of left behind the discussion from gay and lesbian people. But this is from Monica Phillips, the mother of a transgender son, active LDS mother in Arizona doing wonderful work. Um, before they, I'll, I'll read this. Before meeting any transgender individuals, I concluded that being transgender was a sign of the last days, society going downhill or Satan's influence confused God's children. My mindset has changed by getting to know several transgender members. And I echo the words of Monica Phillips, quote, I don't believe Satan's work has been to deceive people into being LGBTQ. And Teddy said he takes his precious children to God and tells them they're worthless. He tells them there's no place for them in God's plan. He tells them God no longer loves them. He resides in their shame. He also resides in our fears, knowing that our fears will hinder our ability to true love. His goal is to tear families apart and drive people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is succeeding not because this group has been deceived and are now gay or trans. He is succeeding because he is keeping us coming together as the body of Christ with pure Christ-like love. We can do better to heal members who are hurting and feel they have no place with us. Each member is vital. Without them, we cannot function as a church to our fullest potential. The answer to overcome Satan, strengthening families, and bringing people to Christ is love. So, yeah, I don't, Sometimes listeners, and I've been guilty of this, things I don't understand that don't fit in my tidy box, I just explain away with, this is Satan and a sign of the last days. And I do believe Satan's real and there are things that are occurring in the last days. Um, but I don't think the existence of LGBTQ people is a sign of the last days. I think just like the existence of people that are left-handed or blue-eyed or red hair. They're minority populations within the human family. I don't think they're a sign of the last day either. They're just part of the beautiful diversity that makes us the human family. But being non-binary is just new. 
and it's different and it might be scary and we might want to put it back in our box or point to a specific something and say what you're experiencing to make it safe for me is this versus taking the time. And I call it the trap of unearned opinions is developing opinions about a group of people without first listening to lots of people in that space and then forming opinions. Um, So in this case, listening to non-binary people and being open enough to say, I'm not going to form opinions till I listen to people. So thank you listeners for being on the podcast listening. So I'll turn it back to you after that little segment to talk. You could continue with your mission. You could talk about post-mission. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, I, I love that quote by Monica Phillips. It's, You're familiar it's, with that, I assume. Yeah, it, it, it's a good one. Um, so for a while, um, you know, after general conference, um, I, I, I got a new companion. Um, uh, they got me hooked up with a counselor um, and also medication. And it was, it was interesting because um, those things helped, but only to an extent. Um, what I was feeling at the time was, you know, like, like if, if, if I, if I like, you know, believe, you know, like my, my own gender identity is, you know, like really truly like what I am. Like if I, if I really believe this and act on it, like I could fail to reach the celestial kingdom. And I I can't express how heavy that is. Um, especially as I'm, you know, trying to serve a, serve a mission and, you know, teach the restored gospel to people when I, myself, I'm like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. (laughs) Um, but you know, so struggle, struggling with that, I was like, is, is medication really, really going to help me? Is, is that really going to fix me and you know one of the things you know as I was going to doctors they looked at and like oh you could also you know you know could have like a thyroid problem you know like um you know check to see you know if your like hormones are imbalanced and I'm like really like you know is that the cause of you know like my you know gender incongruence I didn't have a word for it then but you know they checked my hormone levels they're fine um and then when I was put on medication, it didn't, you know, I, I was kind of hoping it would like kind of shine a light onto, you know, like exactly what was going on and make everything all better, but it didn't. It was kind of more like putting, putting like a blanket over all my, you know, my deep worries or they were still there. Um, but it just kind of like numbed me to them a little bit. Um you're talking about, you know, um, listening, right? And with this new companion I had, um, that was actually, uh, exactly what she did. Um, I struggled the hardest during my second and third transfers, um, while I was serving with her. Um, I, you know, j- j- just with the weight of everything, I started to become nauseous and I couldn't eat. I lost weight. Um, every morning I just woke up with, with a pit in my stomach and just kind of feeling this like eternal dread. Um, and there are times where I just couldn't work. 
Um, but uh, this companion of mine was very, very compassionate. And she listened to me. And she didn't offer any um, any sort of um, unsolicited advice or like, oh, well, I bet it's just this or you just need to do this. She, she, she just listened to me and sat with me in my pain, which is something that you've talked about a lot. And um, she was just the perfect example um, of that. Also during this time, um, I got a few uh, priesthood blessings um, just from some of the elders in my in my district. I wasn't I wasn't and come out to them. I was, you know, just like oh, I'm having a hard time. Um, but in those in those blessings, um, I had some very strong spiritual experiences. That um, one of the biggest things you know that that stood out was Jesus Christ understands exactly what you are going through. And, you know, in, in, in my mind, I, I thought, you know, like, wow, that, that, that that's kind of crazy. Like Jesus knows what it's like to be transgender. Or, or Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be me, a biological female, not feel female, and struggle to fit in uh, with within the church, and that um, that brought me a lot of a lot of comfort. Um, and a, a, another you know thing that, that was mentioned in in those blessings was um, that you know God was with me and proud of me, and, and He was going to reveal to me over, over time you know, what, what this all means. And that's, that's a blessing. I'm, I'm still waiting to be fulfilled. Um, but it's one that I have a lot of, a lot of hope in. Um, so because of those experiences and, um, even more so I, I, I learned to just kind of let it go. Um, I, I mentioned, you know, that because of my anxiety, I was just, I was just ruminating over it and, and just praying, like, help me figure this out. Help me, help me see like how this all works together. And I, I learned to just kind of let it go. Um, that, you know, there's a higher purpose to everything and there's, you know, God just has an understanding that we don't have. Um, and with that, I, uh, was, was pulled out of my really deep depression, um, and was able to serve the rest of my mission. It was still very hard. Um, I, I still struggled a lot, but, um, I, I, w I was, for lack of a better, a better word, I was functional, <laughs> I could, I could, I could serve and, and, and teach people and had many, many amazing experiences. On behalf of all of us, thanks for serving a mission and spending all 18 months and um, the personal work you did, people that were helpful in your life. And a lot of people, I would guess you blessed along the way. 
And um, you're not going to like to hear this word, but I think it's heroic what you've done. And, um, and managing all the things you were doing internally, plus serving a mission. I think it's, I think you look back and, and increasingly be even more pleased with what you've done, um, given what was going on. I love sort of this visual imagery that sometimes I think God will take us to the top of a mountain at some point in our life and let us see the totality of the lives we bless. And I bet there's a lot of people that you're not aware of in your mission that are better um, and happier and are blessed because of your service. So thank you. Thank you. So we've got a couple. Yeah, keep sharing your story. You're doing such a great job, Isabel. Oh, thank you. Um well, coming home, uh, I actually came home right when COVID hit, or maybe uh, right before it hit. Um, I came home. Uh, and the funny my, thing is, everybody knows what it is now. It's like March of 2020. Exactly. I, I came home, uh, I believe it was February 28th um, 2020. of 2020. That is, yeah. yeah. So we all kind of have that time frame imprinted <laughs> in our brains. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, I came home, I gave my homecoming talk, and then that was the last Sunday that we had at church wow. for a long time. Wow. Um, and that was that was quite an adjustment, um, being a full-time missionary, um, proselyting outside to being released and quarantined. Um, it was a very, it was, it was a difficult adjustment and, and just a weird one. Um, but that gave me a lot of time to think and uh, just reflect on my, or my gender identity. Um, and I was able to, you know, find words like non-binary, um, expressing, you know, like, you know, when you don't feel male, you don't feel, feel strictly female either. We have a word for that. Um, I also like the word androgynous. Um, because that, that one I, I feel like is um, are already existed outside of the LGBTQ community. Um, I uh, I started having conversations with my parents now that now that I was home. Um, we had very difficult conversations. They're they were hard to have. Um, as I express, like you know, this is you know who I feel I am. Um, but they were they were all very respectful conversations and loving conversations and we we just talked together and and listened to each other um i also uh got into you know counseling again i have a really good therapist now um who's very helpful for me um i also started to um uh discover different, um, queer Latter-day Saint spaces, um, like North Star, North Star was the first, um, questions from the closet. Love, love that podcast by Ben and Charlie. Um, and then this podcast too, eventually, um, where I just learned, you know, like how, how other people like me have navigated this space. Um, the biggest thing I've struggled with since coming home, um, I really struggle to find, you know, what, what, what is the origin of my 
of my gender incongruence, um, especially since, you know, it wasn't something I'd had, you know, since being a little kid. And I I think since I tried to um, prefer things to make logical sense, (laughs) um, I just really struggled with that. Um, And... It was during during this time where I was home and, and really looking into this. I, I had a lot of spiritual experiences. Um, one of which was as I was trying to you know figure this out, like like why did I not feel this you know when I was younger and um and you know even even for a period you know like maybe in my later years of high school like I I definitely presented even as as more feminine and. I was like, I, I don't want to like invalidate that. Like, what do, what do I do? And I, and I just got this very clear impression that just said, invalidate neither. Wow. Don't, don't invalidate, you know, how you felt about yourself then. Don't invalidate how you feel about yourself now. Um, especially that now, like I, I, I didn't really give much thought to it then versus now I have, um, so I don't really know what that all means, um, but it was just a very clear, distinct prompting I got from Heavenly Father. And the other thing was um, wanting to know what um, just my uh, eternal gender is. Um, and... I, I I mentioned that um, you know a bit a bit into my mission, I learned to kind of just like set that aside and let it go. Um, but now that you know my my mission was done, I, I I came back to that and was just really really wrestling and struggling. Like Heavenly Father, just tell me tell tell me what what it is. Tell me what this all means. I will. All I really want is to know the truth. Um, there have been times where I've, in, in tears, I've begged. I've begged God, tell me, I don't, no matter how painful it is, just tell me how I'm supposed to see myself. And tell, tell me who I truly am, and if that's a woman, I will accept that. Um... But that hasn't been the case. Um, Heavenly Father hasn't um, told me that. Um, I've had multiple spiritual experiences where it's kind of like I've just gotten this inkling of that there could be nuance to gender and that you know, there's, there's something about my, my gender incongruence that is just hitting on something eternal that we don't understand yet. And I feel really nervous expressing that, um, because I know a lot of people feel differently. And All I can say is those experiences that I've had, I felt peace, I felt enlightened, 
I felt just this, just this calm. And I don't really know how to, um, how to reconcile that with, you know, what's in the family proclamation and what's, you know, said at church, but I just have a testimony that God sees the bigger picture and I have a testimony that he has been teaching me and um, revealing things to me that, while I may not understand them now, how they fit in um, <clears throat> um, with, the, with the larger plan. Um, I know that they do fit somehow and it takes, and it takes a lot of faith to, um, to be in that space and to have those beliefs. Um, but it's where, it's where I'm at now. Um, and I've tried, and I've tried my very best to approach God with an attitude of thy will be done. Um, but I've felt just very validated in my in my just experience of how I experience my my gender, I've just felt very validated in it, and it's something that I that that has just brought me closer to God than I've ever been throughout my entire life. That's a really good segment. I Thank hope you. through wherever you are, you felt the spirit of. Isabel's thoughts and her deep wrestle with personal revelation. We value that so much in the church. We, President Nelson has taught that over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to honor people's personal revelation. This is out of love, of a deep desire to understand. Um, I wrote down kind of one of the phrases you said. I'm, I can't even, actually, I'm not hitting on something eternal we don't fully understand or something like that. And yeah. I'm completely at peace with that, that we don't know a lot um, about everybody's experience, people that feel or are non-binary and transgender. And we do live in a church that has ongoing revelation. And that doesn't mean I know God's will or I'm, or I should be instructed to lead or the leaders of the church, but I will sit and validate people's personal experiences that they are having like yours. It's not my personal revelation to judge the accuracy of your personal revelation. It's my job to honor your personal revelation and sit with you as you're doing the hard work to understand. And I recognize this is all out of love. You want to understand your eternal nature. Um, you want to understand the core of this. It's, it's maybe managed, like you said, a blanket's put over it with medication. Um, and that probably got you through your mission. But I love your desire. I call it the bottom of the iceberg. This is at the bottom of your iceberg. You want to know why um, this is at the bottom of your iceberg and core to your identity. And um, I love the feelings you're getting. And that is the formula we're taught in the church, is to do exactly what you're doing. And so, you know, just support you and just try it as much as I possibly can. Cisgender li listeners is... 
most of you and me, people that don't feel any of this. I'm biologically male. I feel male. I feel none of this. One of my listeners has called it like being car sick, explaining car sickness to somebody in the 16th century that's never been car sick. We all understand what car sick is, and we all want to get out of the car and never feel that again. That's been the best example for me as a cisgender man to understand what people feel. And of course, you want to understand the core of this because it's just you can't get out of the car. You can take some yeah. medication to pour sort of a blanket over it, but you want to understand why this is part of your lived experience. And society and people have a lot of explanations, but I think we have to let you um, do the very things you're doing to understand why. And um, I don't have any advice for you. I mean, I'm not in a position as a podcast host to give advice, but I just, I, if I were, I'd say I trust you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And I believe in you and I trust you and I support you and I think you're going really responsibly. I do in this book, this chapter say, invite people to go slow. Um, society sort of says, this is how you do it if you feel this way. And I invite people to, to do this on their own, write their own stories. The term I use is don't listen to somebody else's story and say, that's my story. I think it's great to listen to other stories because it gives you principles you can apply to your story, but I think you're doing a great job of, of navigating this road. And I, I believe in you and I trust you. And I think you're doing a really terrific job. Um, you know, this may be a little triggering, but if anybody thought, I hope this isn't triggering, but you, in the earlier, the podcast, you talked about the family, the proclamation and the role of women were uncomfortable for you. And some might say, well, that, that's at the core of your iceberg, and you became non-binary because you're uncomfortable with that. And I'm sorry to bring that up. No, I'm actually very glad you brought that up. People, this is back to people want to put this back into a box. And I, I so I, if that's triggering and painful, but I just want you to address that, why which came first? To me, you being non-binary is what's caused these two things to be difficult for you versus the other way around, I'm assuming. You'd read it that way, but explain that to our listeners. Yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up. And that probably is triggering for a lot of people. Um, but, um, and and definitely it used to be for me. Because people um, would probably say that's what's going on here or something. Yeah, well, actually more that I said it to myself. Oh, that's even... <laughs> um, you know, I, I tried to, you know, find that, like, what are, what are the reasons, you know, for, for why I am this way? And... Um, you know, and, and and I think one of the hardest things, you know, with, with being vulnerable like this is, you know, people will, like you said, you know, to kind of put things, you know, in their, in their tidy box, you know, to try to come up with explanations for things is, you know, I, I have that fear of I'm going to come out and express this. And then people are going to say that as if I hadn't thought of it before. And I think it's, especially for me, um, my my kind of my type of anxiety is I tend to analyze all possibilities, and so I kind of feel confident. You know, like mm, if if you if you have a theory, I've already thought it. <laughs> um, you know, I've tried very very hard <laughs> to be. Um, 
to be open-minded and to be, um, in, in a sense to remove myself from the situation, you know, to figure like, like, well, you know, regardless of my feelings, like what, it, what is the truth? What is really going on here? Um, and so, yeah, like my, you know, you know, struggles with, you know, gender roles was, was, you know, definitely one of those things I thought about and, you know, I don't have like a perfect answer for that, but I'm okay with that. Um, especially, you know, since I've, you know, since I've really started thinking about this and have, you know, felt this way consistently for a while now. Um, and, and it really does go beyond gender roles. Um, I, I guess the only way to describe it is, is just kind of like this little, just this little voice at the very center of your being, you know, um, that says, you know, just like, oh, I am this and it just is. Um, it's, I, I've had to learn to be okay that there's not a, a strong logical explanation for that. Um, but it just, it, it is what it is. Thank you for that. Um, we've got about 15 minutes. Um, there's some top, I'm just looking at our outline. I don't know if you want to go into some of these different topics or just other yeah, things yeah, you want to sure. share. I'll just let you run with it. Oh, um, I think, I think one thing I'd like to talk about is, um, you know, the, the process of, uh, communicating with, with others and with, and with family members specifically, um, I mentioned having difficult conversations um, with my parents and, you know, they see things a little bit differently than the way I do. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a loving, respectful relationship. And um, I hear a lot from, you know, the queer community, just this, this, really big, you know, push, you know, for parents, you know, to like accept their children, which, well, yes. Um, but, and, and I think it's helpful, you know, to explain, you know, that, you know, when, you know, when they react in certain ways, it, it can be damaging, you know, to, to their child's health. But I really think there needs to be more emphasis on, uh, just being patient with people and giving people time to sit with these things and, you know, not to th throw labels at them like, you know, yeah, like homophobic and transphobic, um, cause that doesn't help. Um, and, you know, e even at this point, as I've, you know, been talking with my parents, you know, we, we, we still don't see eye to eye um, on, uh, on, on things in this area, but we love each other a lot. And, um, and I just, I just can't emphasize enough how important that is. One, one of the times that I really really learned that for myself is as I was, um, 
you know, talk, talking about like, I just feel like I can't really, I feel like I just can't fit into this, you know, like this cookie cutter mold of, you know, like what's, what's outlined in, in the church, you know, this like, like a cookie cutter, like marriage. And, and my mom was just like, that actually hurts a little bit because I don't see my own marriage as a cookie cutter marriage. And, you know, for some context, um, you know, my, my mom is full Mexican and my, my dad is Caucasian and they actually received some, um, negative, uh, reactions to their intentions to get married. They, they received some, uh, resistance and it was very, very painful for them. And, you know, that kind of, you know, that, that, that opened my, my eyes to be like, you know what, like we're, we're still all people, you know, it, this really shouldn't be an, an us versus them thing. Um, and so, um, if, if there are any, um, LGBTQ people listening right now, um, you know, first of all, be safe, of course, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't stay in, you know, like toxic relationships, but, you know, if, if your parents, if your family members, you know, are, you know, sincerely, you know, like trying to have a good positive relationship with you, just give them time and be patient with them and, and allow for difference of opinion. Um, I think as members of the church, we struggle with that a little bit, um, with people who have different beliefs, but, um, that's, that's something I wanted to touch on. One of, one of the biggest takeaways I've, uh, I've had from my journey. I would title that segment grace, Isabel, and, um, just having grace for parents, for queer kids, and that there's going to probably most of the time be differences, but even in differences, there can be unity, love, understanding in the family circle can stay tight, even with differences, I think. Um, that to me is Zion. Zion isn't sameness where we're all in the same political party or with the same nationality or the same race or the same um, LG, sexual or gender identity. It's where we're finding space to, to, to support and love each other, even if we don't agree on everything. So then we can focus on lifting the burdens of others because we're sort of unified in our desire to lift the burdens of others in our circle and others outside of our circle. So that was a great segment on grace. And I think I'd like to extend that to um, just the community within the church, um, the queer community within the church, um, because I've noticed a lot of different um, opinions there too. Um you know, so, so me, for example, um, like I am fully supportive of mixed orientation marriages, staying single and same sex relationships and marriages, but that's me. Um, and I think, you know, as, as we're, we're in, in this space, um, we, we get, we get a little, I don't know, a little, a little, a little triggered as, you know, people take different life paths, which is understandable, but, you know, we really need each other. Um, us who are, you know, queer and trying to, 
um, trying to, you know, be in the church and love and love the gospel. Um, even though we have different opinions as to, you know, like what's okay and what's not okay. I think, I think we need to have more grace for each other because we really need each other, um, um, for strength. I love that. More thoughts you'd like to share in just the closing few minutes of the time we have. Um, I guess just going off of different, uh, life paths. Um, I understand if, you know, people are, if people are wondering this, I, I get it, um, as you know, what I'm going to do as far as transitioning goes. Um, I've made a very personal decision, um, to present publicly as female, um, you know, so at church and in, and in most spaces, you know, I, I use she, her pronouns. Um, and, you know, I've decided not, not to look into, um, like a social, a full social transition or, um, or surgery or anything like that. Um, I think my level of gender dysphoria is manageable enough, um, where, um, I can, I can live without that. Um, but, uh, again, everyone, everyone's path is different. And, and like I said before, even, even though I am, I am open and willing to accept revelation from God telling me, you know, if I, if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm a woman and, you know, there isn't really any nuance to that, but I hold space for me, for a belief, um, that I have just an androgynous gender and I don't really know what that looks like, um, for eternity, but, um, it's, it's where I'm at. And, and among a few, um, very close, close friends and family members, um, I, I ask people to use, uh, gender neutral nouns, like, like person or individual, cause that's how I feel most comfortable. Um, and they're very validating, um, just, just in interacting with me and, and, um, but for the most part, uh, I publicly present as female and that is something that I feel okay with, um, because, um, I want to be able to hopefully be, be a, a link or, or, or a bridge builder, um, in the church, um, and I also want to, um, I want to have my temple recommend and I want to be able to serve in the temple still. So even though that, um, is, is difficult for me, it's something that I personally am, am willing to do. And that's just my personal choice. It's a great final segment and just a lot of grace in that. I'm, I wrote down the word sacrifice is that you to fully participate in the church and to go to the temple, things that you want to do, there's some sacrifice involved there. Yeah. That straight Latter-day Saints don't face. They don't face the paradoxes that you face. And um, I think when we recognize the paradox, the double binds you're in, it helps us want to 
create more empathy, understanding, do everything we can to help you feel like you belong. Um, and things like using the pronouns, the gender neutral pronouns, you have a smile on your face when people do that. It's just a, to me, that's just grace. It doesn't cost me anything to ask you what your preferred pronouns are and then honor those. And you. so I just think that's part of, you know, helping people feel like they belong listeners and, and listening to stories so we can do better. Um, will you take a second and just talk about this word? And I can't even say it. Andron- How do Androgynous. I s- Let's just define that word. That word's come up and it's not a word I'm really familiar with. Um, but just help us, just explain that word for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you, if you split it up, um, andro means male. And then uh, I think it's pronounced just gin by itself. Um, the G-Y-N uh, is, is female. And so... Um, Androgynous um, is a word, um, it's, it's been used like out, outside of the LGBTQ community. Um, that just means not completely male and not completely female. Um, and, and maybe like just kind of like a, a, a blend of both. Um, so maybe like one, one example could be like, like, oh, like I was, I was on, I was on the phone with, um, uh, you know, with like a, uh, customer service rep, and they had an androgynous voice. I don't, I don't know if if they were male or female. So that's that's like one example of um, a use of that word. Um, and then I, as well as other people, use it just to describe my gender, my excuse me, my gender identity. Whereas I don't feel completely male, and I don't feel completely female. I, me personally, I feel just kind of somewhere in between. Um, and that's. That's just how I experience myself as I am. And thank you for that. I didn't, I love the way you just dissected that word. I never knew that. I bet there's other listeners that never knew that either. And um, some cultures, this is just more part of the culture. People that are, and I mm-hmm. can't say this word right, androgynous. Yeah. Um, that's something my daughter was talking with me recently about this. Um her education and her lived experiences across the world. She's had experience with different cultures where this is just, you know, more normal. I don't want to say this is abnormal the way you are, but culturally there's a lot of expectations around gender and our church was restored in a culture. So it's always, I'm open to just, you know, as we continue to understand what's culture and what's doctrine and we'll continue to, better meet the needs of people that walk harder roads the best way I can describe it. Um, So thank you for being on the podcast listeners. We'll link to a few things in our show notes, this desert news article that came out about one in five, one in 20 identify as trans or binary, 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 non-binary. We'll also link to the LGBTQ workshop that's being held on June 15th. Yes. Yep. That's Wednesday, June 15th, 7 p.m. Mountain Time at the UVU Institute. That's in Orem, Utah. And we'll put the address in the show notes. It's it's available to anybody that would like to attend. You don't need to be a student or um, but come and hear a workshop of, of Isabel and some of their friends. I'll also put a link, just a free download of chapter eight of my book. I've referenced a little bit of that. If you haven't read that chapter, I'll just put a free link so you can download that and 
read that chapter just to learn more. Um, but thank you, Isabel Wheeler, for being on the podcast. You did a great job. It's a wonderful spirit, and I was deeply moved by the things you shared. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>